You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. On this 23rd day of 2018, we're talking Pirates baseball today with Adam Barry, our Pirates reporter for MLB.com. Adam, we thank you uh, so much for the time, and I uh, joked with you moments ago before we uh, officially started the podcast that the majority of the podcast today is going to be about uh, ex-Pirates as uh, we're still feeling the reverberations, if you will, from the uh, trades of both uh, Garrett Cole and Andrew McCutcheon. We're going to talk about that, but we're also going to talk about, lo and behold, a current Pirates in uh, Felipe Rivero as uh, the four-year deal official uh, with Rivero, the left-handed closer who really uh, burst out in 2017. And uh, that is what is on the docket for today. But, uh, Adam, let's start, uh, as we did last week, uh, with Andrew McCutcheon, of course. Uh, Pirates fans are still kind of coming to grips with the fact that he is now an ex-Pittsburgh uh, Pirates. And uh, to no one's surprise, uh, he penned a piece on the, the Players' Tribune, and uh, it was you know well-written, it was thoughtful, it was eloquent to all the traits that we've associated for so many years with Andrew McCutcheon. You read the piece. Uh, what was your takeaway from that? I think it's really interesting sort of to, to read about from his perspective sort of this struggle for identity just because of how I think he said at some point, you know, Andrew McCutcheon, Pittsburgh Pirate, has just been who I am. You know, and he said at another point, I don't think I'll ever not be Andrew McCutcheon, Pittsburgh Pirate, uh, because it was more than just a job title. And really, I don't even think you needed to read this to understand how much the city meant to him because you could – uh, see it and his first son's name, which is Steel for the Steel City. Right. Uh, you know, this is where he not just grew up as a baseball player, but it's where he grew up, period. You know, this is the only organization he had ever known since he was drafted as, a, as an 18 year old in 2005. And he kind of put it in an interesting light in that Players Tribune story where he said, you know, I'm moving to a different company as a 31 year old. It's really funny if you put it in real world, real world terms like that. You know, imagine working at the same place for 13 years, you know, from the time you were an adult until the time you were married with your first kid and, you know, had really kind of established yourself as somebody. And then all of a sudden you have to change and you have to go across the country and you have to be somebody else, you know, where you have to be, you know, find out who you are when nobody's telling you who you are in San Francisco. It's really kind of an interesting thing. And I, I thought that's what was so neat about the piece, is just sort of how revealing it was. You know, it was very human. And, you know, we those of us who know Andrew McCutcheon know that's you know, he, he's very much capable of that. And he's really thoughtful. He's really expressive. He's really, really smart, really interesting when you talk to him about this kind of stuff. I, I think it was really neat that he kind of let fans in a little bit. And, you know, his love for the city was obvious. You know, his perspective on the trade and how it happened was really professional. You know, he could have been angry about it and upset. Um, but, you know, he even said Neil Huntington handled it in a really classy way, and, you know, he appreciated that they were thinking of him even as they were kind of showing him out the door. Um, but you could also tell that it was really hard for him that he had to leave at all. You know, he wanted to be a one-team guy. He mentioned Derek Jeter in New York, Cal Ripken Jr. in Baltimore. He wanted to be that guy for Pittsburgh, and I think sort of it's going to take some time for him to come to terms, you know, with the reality that he's not going to be that guy, and I think it'll definitely take some time for Pirates fans to, you know, kind of – wrap their head around that, around seeing a Pirates team without Andrew McCutcheon. But, you know, it's pretty, Pittsburgh still means a lot to him. He's still going to live here. He still has his home. He's still here right now at this point in the offseason with his wife and kids. So uh, I think he conveyed a lot of really important and really meaningful stuff 
uh, just in one story, something all of us writers should aspire to. <laughs> Absolutely. Well said. You know, uh, this is apples and oranges a little bit because it's two completely different sports. But in reading the piece by McCutcheon, I drew some comparisons and some parallels to the piece that Isaiah Thomas wrote, uh, the ex-Boston Celtic, when he was traded, uh, you know, when he got blindsided from a trade uh, from the Celtics to the Cavaliers. And uh, while, you know, there was more of an undertone of anger and betrayal with him that you didn't see with McCutcheon, there were some similarities in that his guts were just ripped out because he fell so in love with the city of Boston. Now, he wasn't in Boston nearly as long as Andrew McCutcheon was in Pittsburgh, but there were still some similarities in the fact that, you know, Andrew McCutcheon said, I-, I felt like this is where I grew up and became a man and matured, and Isaiah Thomas relayed those same sort of things, even though he was only in Boston for two and a half years. So I kind of drew some parallels between the two in that regard, and I know that after Isaiah penned his piece, it made, <laughs> you know, Celtics fans feel even a little bit worse because they-, they fell in love with Isaiah as much as he fell in love with them and with the city of Boston, and it almost made that trade a little more difficult to swallow. Could you make the same assessment with Pirates fans that, you know, as difficult as it was when the trade initially went down, now you read this piece about how much the Pirate fan base meant to him and the city and the community. Does it make it even harder to swallow now that this piece has come out? To a certain extent, yeah. After I I tweeted the link to it in one of the quotes, I got a lot of uh, replies on Twitter, you know, about people crying at their desk and just sort of having their heart ripped out all over again. And one person said they read it in the morning and they read it again at lunch and they cried both times. You know, it's, it is tough. It's, it's hard for people to realize that, you know, not only are you losing a great player, you know, your franchise player, the face of your franchise, you're also losing a good man, you know, who was a very much somebody that you could say, you know, it's hard to find role models in, in any walk of life these days, but it's hard to find it in sports and say, this is a genuinely good person. This is somebody I want my kid to be like, this is somebody I want my kid, you know, wear their jersey proudly and, you know, try to be like them in every way. And McCutcheon was that guy. You know, he was as genuinely good of a person as he came across. Uh, he was an incredible athlete, such a good role model in the community. And this was a guy who loved Pittsburgh as much as Pittsburgh loves Pittsburgh, which is a lot. <laughs> so that was really tough, I think, for Pirates fans to, you know, see this guy who meant so much and genuinely cared as much as they did walk out the door and, you know, when he didn't have control and it wasn't him who, who made the decision. I think that was definitely tough. And, yeah, it was kind of just another reminder that, hey, you know, you're losing a lot when you lose Andrew McCutcheon. And I think that's sort of settling in at this point. It's another reminder, too, that at the end of the day, uh, this is a business as much as we want to believe that, you know, you can you can keep your, your guys and your favorites as long as you wish. Uh, at the end of the day, it comes down to – to wins and losses and money and the business aspect, and that always takes precedence. And, and we see Andrew McCutcheon on the on the wrong side of it as he is now on the, as far as Pirates fans are concerned, the wrong side of the country as a <laughs> member of the San Francisco Giants. Uh, Adam, to wrap up the McCutcheon discussion, uh, if you will, uh, this might be tough to assess because he's only 31. His career, hopefully, is far from over. But if you could, if you can, can you rank him right now uh, in terms of, you know, the pantheon of all-time greats uh, in, in Pirates history? Or is that is that something you don't want to do quite yet because, you know, like I, like I said, maybe uh, he plays another seven, eight years? Yeah, that's tough just because you don't know where this sort of back half of his career is going to go as far as where he falls all time. I think it's always easy to say, and it has been easy really for the last 
couple of years since he won the MVP that he's the greatest pirate since Bonds, and he's probably the most beloved pirate since Stargell, I would say. Yeah. You know, he was a guy who was here and had the success and represented so much, and, you know, Stargell is a, is a statue outside your ballpark, literally, in this case, at PNC, and it's very, very, very easy to imagine that if McCutcheon had stayed or if in some bizarre circumstance he comes back at the end of his career and retires here, you're going to see a McCutcheon statue outside of the ballpark. So I would say, you know, as far as production, I think he's 14th all-time and wins above replacement. That feels about right for me for a franchise as old and storied with, you know, as many great players as this team had. You think of the 70s and back to Hannes Wagner and all those guys. That makes sense. But just as far as reputation and the way that he was loved, I think probably more than Bonds. So you would probably go back to Stargell for me. And I think that's a pretty good, pretty good company for Andrew McCutcheon to be in. Yeah, not not bad at all. And uh, one other uh, addendum, I guess, to the McCutcheon topic. I know that this is kind of a tough spot for uh, Clint Hurdle because obviously, you know, people want to uh, hear his thoughts on the departure of two of his, uh, you know, marquee players and in, uh, in Andrew McCutcheon and Garrett Cole. And it, it, it's tough for him because you, you don't want to you don't want to shortchange the guys that you still have. You know, you, you don't want to. You don't want to lament the losses of star players too much and, and slight mm-hmm. the other guys because, you know, as Hurdle himself said, look, I feel I've got a very good team here. I've got a lot of promising young players. So on, on one hand, he's got to pay, you know, the proper reverence and respect to the guys that are no longer here while at the same time he's got to show that respect and, and give that courtesy to the guys that he still has in his employ to get ready for a 2018 season. I felt that he did a pretty good balancing act, you know, between the two. Was, was that your takeaway from his comments as well? Yeah, I think what he said uh, Friday on MLB Network Radio has probably been the most well-received thing that's been said by sort of the upper-level Pirates management since the trade because they've had a tough time selling this to Pittsburgh. You know, you just lost your franchise player, your former number one starter, uh, you know, and you got some guys back that aren't really proven. You know, they, they have a lot of potential, and they're going to most of them are going to fit in there right away. But you're, then Neil Huntington's coming out and saying, you know, we're not rebuilding, we're retooling, we think we're going to compete this year. But he also recently said that their best team in 2018 had Andrew McCutcheon and Garrett Cole. So how are you going to say this is really your best team? But then Clint Ertl comes out, and I think he says kind of what people need to hear uh, and he encouraged fans, uh, his quote was, fans need to feel what they need to feel. And I think that's important just to say, hey, you're upset and that's okay. You probably should be. You lost two of your favorite players. And then he said, I'm going to tell them as I'm how excited I am to manage this club moving forward. It's an opportunity to start a new era of Pirates baseball. I think he sort of walked that line very well, like you said, between you know, respecting the accomplishments of those guys but also acknowledging the need for change. And the fact that, like, you know what, you go tell the guys in that clubhouse that they're not going to compete this year. <laughs> go tell that to Jamison Tyone and Josh Bell and Sean Rodriguez and David Freed. They're not going to agree with you. You know, there is there are guys in that clubhouse that it's his job now to get the most out of them and to try to put a winning product on the field, you know, and there's still time left to go in this offseason. Um, and, you know, there, people are probably aren't going to be happy until the Pirates are out there winning and back in the postseason again. So I think Hurdle walked the line very well. You know, telling fans it's okay to feel what they need to feel, but also it's his job to go out there and work with the guys that he has. And he thinks they're good, and he thinks they could have something special coming up soon, just like probably nobody believed him in 2012, and they went out in 2013 and put something together. And it's going to take some time. It's going to take some more talent. It's going to take a lot of things going right. But I think Hurdle 
sort of showed that he is still, you know, the right guy to oversee this sort of retooling, you know, flash rebuilding process just with the quick way that he handled that and the, the message that he's trying to convey not only to the fans but within his own clubhouse as well. I think the Pirates are very, very lucky uh, in what has been so far a PR, a PR nightmare to have a guy like Clint Hurdle who is as experienced and well-spoken as he is to say the things he said the way he said them to kind of soothe everybody's feelings and he came right out and said, as you just stated, that you know what, if, if you're upset, be upset. That's your right. And maybe a less experienced, a less uh, you know eloquent guy maybe – doesn't find those words and doesn't say the right things to, to kind of, you know, soothe over the fan base. But Clint Hurdle struck a perfect balance. And I think, like I said, the Pirates front office, which has had darts fired at them for weeks now, owes a huge debt of gratitude to Clint Hurdle uh, for the comments he recently made. Uh, Adam, as we come down the home stretch here, uh, we didn't quite get to this last week because it was not officially official, if you will, but now it is. Four-year deal for uh, Felipe Rivero as uh, he is locked into that uh, back end of the bullpen for the foreseeable future. Uh, Rivera was was simply awesome last year, really kind of came out of nowhere. He had a he had a, a decent 2015, a, a so-so 2016, and a lights-out 2017. What did you see from him last year that kind of caused him to break out? What, what was the difference with him? Was it increased velocity? Was it more control, a, a little bit of everything? What do you think? I think he would tell you, and, and I would agree, that it was – more just a mentality that he wasn't going to be afraid to go after guys and throw strikes because the stuff he has is just stupid. You know, it's a tri- it's a triple digit fastball, it's a incredible Bugs Bunny changeup. You know, it's a strong slider, and then he's got a curveball that is his fourth pitch, but it's still really effective uh, when he uses it and you know throws it for strikes or gets guys to chase with it. Um, he's just got a, a very good arsenal. It's a starter's arsenal, which is what he was as a prospect that plays up out of the bullpen. The issue that he'd had in the past at the start of his major league career was just not throwing enough strikes and, you know, trying to be too fine and walking guys and getting in trouble that way. And he just cut down on that last year, especially at the in the first half of the season. You saw it right away in spring training. He was aggressive. He was going after guys. He was pounding the strike zone. And, you know, when you challenge guys with that kind of stuff, more often than not, they're going to have trouble hitting it. So the Pirates felt very comfortable uh, with what he showed. And then, you know, they had the – the four arbitration years that they effectively bought out with this contract for just absurdly team-friendly rates. You know, it's two and a half million this year, four million after that, five and a quarter uh, in 2020, and 7.25 million in 2021. If Rivero is a, an effective closer who's racking up saves during that time, he could have possibly doubled that through arbitration. Hmm. The the payoff there is that you know Rivero is getting guaranteed money that you don't necessarily get through the arbitration process. And he doesn't have to worry about this now for the next potentially six years. So that's a benefit for him. And, you know, he liked Pittsburgh right from the start. He said he felt comfortable. He liked working with Ray Searage and and Euclides Rojas. He liked, you know, the environment. He liked Hurdle. He just sort of felt comfortable and wanted to, you know, do what was best for his family, which was to guarantee, uh, you know, some some financial certainty here, which he definitely did with this deal. And, you know, now he can kind of go about the process of just sort of worrying about baseball. And, you know, if this is a guy who's going to, uh, improve even as time goes on, you know, with sort of that mental freedom that comes along with that contract. And this could be a really scary player for the next, you know, six years potentially at the back end of the Pirates bullpen. People will also point out that it makes him a more desirable trade uh, target potentially, just given the, the financial terms of the deal. But for now, you know, since the Pirates don't view this as a long rebuild, 
something that's going to take multiple years. You know, since they hope to compete in 2018, contend in 2019, they're going to have a really good high-end closer at the back end of the bullpen that they don't have to worry about. So I think we can call off the trade rumors on one front for right now and <laughs> just sort of try to appreciate what Rivero does back there. Yeah, nice feeling, huh? Uh, the Pirates have had good fortune in recent years with their ninth-inning men. You know, first uh, Jason Grilly on to Mark <laughs> Belanson, and hopefully that, that uh, lineage kind of continues in 2018 and beyond with the Southpaw Felipe Rivero, who's locked in now to a four-year deal. Good place to wrap it up uh, on this Tuesday. Adam, we thank you so much for the time. That's Adam Barry, our Pirates reporter, and we'll do it again at this time next week. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs>